1: You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. A wild Friday night in what
2: promises to be a volatile round 18. There's Thursday night to deal with and then there's the scenario on the Gold Coast. If the Stuart DeSuit... Stuart, due decision was right. It was done in the wrong way. And now what happens next? The big news of the week for Repco, authorised service for expert car service you can rely on. Book online at repcoservice.com. Sam Edmonds got the latest out of the Gold Coast. Dermot Brereton and Leon Cameron alongside Jared Waitley as we look back on Thursday Night Footy. A big deep breath. Lance Franklin, measured approach, lashes at a goal, lovely, long and straight. Nice mark taken by Hayward, the link-up run from Heaney. Heaney's on the burst at half forward, gives him a look deep. He's after Papley, bounced in the square. Papley's got it again. Big Papley's got four. Uh, flicking the ball around a fair bit in that first term, and when we shut that down and then started to really hook in in that second quarter and play, it wasn't flash footy, it wasn't sexy footy, but except from my perspective, I thought it was absolutely beautiful footy. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Leon Cameron was in the stands for all of that. Leon, just give us your pricey of what unfolded on Thursday night footy.
3: Yeah, well, I think uh, John summed it up. It wasn't sexy footy. Uh, I mean, clearly beautiful footy for the Swans to, to salute by two points. But the the Bulldogs came out of the blocks and started really, really well. And they moved the footy. It looked like Aaron Norton was just going to break the game open. His first quarter was outstanding. Their ball use inside the Ford 50 was just first class. And they, just, they were on top in most indicators. Um, and if you actually look back at the game, they've won clearance and they've won contested ball, the Bulldogs, pretty well. Now, we know... Those indicators don't always add up to winning the game, but they would be disappointing, uh, disappointed losing that game because of those two dominant indicators. But then, as the Swans do, and they add their backs to the wall, and it was a significant milestone, and you know, congratulations to John for that 300 games. It's an awesome effort. But you could clearly see they wanted to do something about it for their coach, and then they just come out and they just started grinding and grinding away, and their tackle pressure, 90 tackles, uh, you don't see that a lot these days, unless the you know the you know it's a a, it's a bad weather day. But ninety tackles and twenty two inside forward fifty mm. was outstanding, and uh, that's what's got them the game on the back of a little bit of Papley magic. I mean, Papley was outstanding. You know, Lance kicking a couple of crucial goals when he needed to, and at thirty six he still can find the sticks. You know, even though he can't move as 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 free as what he has, he's still that focal point, and he's got that unbelievable competitive spirit, and he's actually his pressure he's actually pressure to get after the opposition and, and set the tone on the pressure that we're probably not known for was just absolutely outstanding and then they just found him them in, in themselves in front at the right time and it was just a seesawing event and the bulldogs probably would have kicked themselves they missed a couple of crucial ones sort of halfway through the last that might have put them a, you know a goal or two up but credit to the Swans, they um they found a way, a found a way to win a you know not so pretty game of footy and keep their finals live, uh, you know hopes alive in a in a year that's been really hard with them with the amount of injuries they've had to deal with.
1: It's interesting, Leon, when you look at the statistical sheet, every column, every column of the dogs is in the blue highlighter. They won everything, yet they didn't win on the scoreboard. Mm.
3: Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, as we know in footy, we we see it a fair bit these days, Derm. I mean, you have to... You said before, Sammy, quoting Faggs, and Faggs says you've got to win it and you've got to win it again. You've got to mm. win it three or four times, and the Dogs probably had a chance to win it three or four times on, on the back of a fantastic start. So they'd be really disappointed. I mean, they lost a couple of... Um, they lost O'Donnell and they you know lost young Sam Darcy. That didn't help because their structure back and forward was sort of thrown out of whack, and then Norton probably... Dropped out of the game, although he had a few moments late. Um, But, yeah, all indicators pointed to that. But, um, you know, I think the Swans on the back of probably some, um, you know, pretty, you know, tough feedback from David King about, you know, the Swans being a little bit softer, not the Swans of old. I mean, he went pretty hard during the week. And there's no doubt that would have sparked a few of them into action. And, um, yeah, tackle pressure was just first class. And, um, you know, they they found a way to to get that result.
1: Can I ask you about the... The game style of the dogs. When the ball's up for grab, at a, at a stoppage, up for grabs, and they get first hands on. And they give that neat little handball sideways two metres. And then that one is goes 45 degrees in reverse for a three-metre handball. And then it goes right to the back. And then it might come forward. So there's three or four. There's chain handball in and around the stoppage. And it looks slick. And it, it gets to the outside. But in that time, it's three or four seconds that the forward for the dogs is saying, is this the moment? Is this the trigger Mm -hmm. moment? Do I lead now? Is that something that the coach says, that's the way we play? I'm coaching that into them. Or that's the instinct of our players. I allow it to happen. Or would the coach look at that and say, "Uh, that's not what I want, but I can't stop it. How does that play? Because it's as, you've got to run the ball a long way forward if you're going to do that to get real advantage because otherwise your forwards become totally stationary for the kick that it, that eventually comes from that small chain of handballs.
3: Yeah, look, it's, it's no doubt that's the way they want to play. I mean, the dogs have been known for that yeah. uh, flicking the, the ball around. the The real you know, drilling down on it, is it if they're losing ground or if they go, you know, 45 out, then they might go backwards because the pressure is invited. Um, Is it helping the forward line, the forward six to adapt? Do they have to, you know, nearly go five times before it does come forward? Um, Whereas, uh, you know, a lot of other clubs might go, no, one flick, surge ball or they're out, breakthrough kick. So it's the way they play. They want to bring in their halfbacks in Richards and Dale as well, and yep. they rely on their wings to hold great balance. And 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 no, I'm not surprised that the Swans had 90 tackles because of the way the Bulldogs use their hands. It gives you an opportunity to tackle uh, and get at them. But yeah, that's the natural I, enemy I,
1: of that that style absolutely. game, isn't I, I, look, it? Look, yep.
3: and, and look, you probably they probably look at it and they'll have a tipping point, and maybe the tipping point was on the weekend on Thursday night, and maybe they went too far. But they are drill, Bontem Pearly They're very, very good. McRae. They're very good with their hands. Trelaw. That's what their that's what their list is. I think if you you know had, if you had an explosive Degoe or someone like that that came through that uh, midfield at the Bulldogs, would they be a little bit more go forward? Uh, They probably would, but they're probably playing to their strength. But there's no doubt there would be a tipping point. And at times throughout games, Bevo would be going, no, this is too much. We are getting run down. Uh, They're closing our space. We need to surge the ball a little bit more. The pressure's really high. Let's give our forwards a chance. And probably they overwent the mark a little bit on the weekend.
1: Because if I'm looking at that analysing, purely in an analytical form, you can have those players being brilliant by hand, close in, hit that target. There's a heart, there's a man, a p- opposition player, half a metre off them. They take, they receive and give within half a second themselves and they do it to somebody else. And that is brilliant. But unless yes. you can get the ball moving... And in a, f- a pure flow forward, 15 to 20 metres forward of where the pack started, the forward is still in the starting position with a backman against him. And he's momentarily gone, now's the, mo- oh no, oh, now it's going. And he stutters. And he does not know when to go unless that ball comes forward of the pack eventually. Like Collingwood take it out the front side. Richmond used to take it out the front side. And the backman goes into overdrive panic. They don't go into overdrive panic if the ball is fed backwards or sideways. And that's where the kick comes from. So you can be brilliant at those handballs. But I don't think it ultimately, more often than not, benefits your team.
3: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you, you, you just summed it up. If you can come out the front more than not, and you might get, let's just say, if you have 30 opportunities throughout the game, can you come out the front eight or ten times? Or are you going backwards? Are you drilled just to go backwards? It depends on your list. Colin will we talk about, I know we've touched on before, but having the best decision, I, I I have think they have the four best decision makers in the AFL, in Pendlebury, the two Dacos brothers, um, and Dagoe. And so uh, they just make great decisions about going at the front. They don't keep going back. Now, would they practice that? Absolutely. Mm. At their training sessions, are we practicing going through the front. But it does help when you've got leg speed and ability to pause and hold and then and then move like Pendlebury does and Dacos as well. So, yeah, look, there's no doubt that they would look at that as well, the dogs. And they probably tipped over the mark on the weekend and, and invited more pressure from the Swans because to have 90 tackles that they did, they that helped them win the game on the back of Goulden and Papley having some brilliant moments. It helped the Swans win the game because of the dogs that uh, the dogs using the, overusing the ball a little bit.
2: Sam, how did Dan Rampe, uh, Dane Rampy end up with a, a two-match suspension? Very curious one. How often have we said this week upon
0: week? So this is a delay concussion for Lockie McNeil of the Western Bulldogs, who played out the game after well a body check and a head clash. Instigated by Sydney's co-captain Dane Rampey off the ball. Now I've checked in with the Swans, so uh, the way it reads, Jared, is rough conduct. It's careless, high and high. So it happened in the first quarter. So that's a two-match sanction under Michael Christians' um, code. But is it considered in play
1: because they're just they're they're, they're running for position? Yeah, well, it's, it it's careless. Doesn't
0: matter. No. It's okay. and it's deemed careless. So uh, yeah. these are the boxes that Chris has to tick because yeah. the medical reports come back now. The medical report, you'd think, will be absolutely key to this because I've checked in with Sydney. They're not committing to an appeal as yet. They'll decide this afternoon whether they'll challenge it or not. But the obvious question is how do you know for sure that this was the incident that led to Lockheed McNeil's delayed concussion? So uh, I'm assuming a lot will depend on the Western Bulldogs medical report. As I say, Lockheed McNeil actually played out the game before suffering some concussion symptoms. He's now in the protocols and won't play for the minimum 12 days, as we know. So a curious one for Dane Rampey. We'll hear more from Sydney later on.
2: Right, the, the week on the Gold Coast. Well, why don't you start, Sam, with what happens next before we look back on what transpired?
0: I'm not sure this is going to be anything close to a process. I'll state that now. In terms of Stuart Dew's replacement, there'll be a hit list and there'll be a headhunt. And, and that's probably being more open-minded than some who sit close to this who firmly believe this is Damien Hardwick's job, regardless of how it might be dressed up by the club. The Suns search starts here, and it most likely ends here. Now, this isn't a big fishing net. This is the single lure derm out on the bay. You are going for one particular type, of one particular <laughs> variety, and then if you don't get him, you're using some other bait. So that's Ken Hinckley, who would like to stay at Port Adelaide. Uh, make no mistake about it, if they want him to stay as much as he wants to stay. So it's probably likely a five-year contract that resides for whoever takes it on the Suns. I'd think think something like three gets Ken to stay at Port Adelaide, and that's three without it being full of triggers and conditions and the like – he would want none of this at the moment. There's a premiership to win of course. He's so close with the players. It'd be hard to leave unless the offer from Port is substandard. Just while we're on, Ken, the other factor is his longtime football manager, Chris Davies. So the AFL looking for a football department people, as we know. He could do that job, perhaps under, say, a Brendan Gale on his ear. But I'm also hearing there's some other clubs out there who see Chris Davies as a CEO. And so Chris Davies and Ken Inkle, they go a long way back. And Chris – and he get along so well. And he's been so important for Ken in the sense that he shields him from all that outside noise. You're a classic football manager, if you like. And as we know, over time, there's been a lot of outside noise for Ken Hinkley. But you speak to people who look after the future of coaches in the industry, and they tell you that Gold Coast just hasn't picked up the phone. So Richmond has been. And I know the process has been underway for longer at, at Richmond, but that is a process-driven exercise that's underway at the moment. Everything you hear is that Gold Coast will be surgical. It'll be specific. They'll go for one man. We think that's Damien Harwick. And then failing that, we're getting into the other names that
2: we know that uh, may or may not be available, just So on the Port Adelaide front, Dermot, to resume our old conversation, now there is a cause to sign him. So mm. you've quite rightly pushed me away and said, well, where's he going? Well, the Gold Coast is in
1: play, Dermot. Is it, it's time. Or. <laughs> yes, well, you're dead right. <laughs> um, how do you answer that?
3: Uh, or It's do they... two, weeks to, two weeks to August, isn't it? Dude? Isn't it <laughs> yeah. August 1? So w-
1: once you're August, you may as well be July. Mm. Uh, and yeah. for – or do they say, well, Hardwick's on the table as well. That's who we think they really want. Yeah, there's a little bit of – posturing or well, then do you play smarty pants and say well August mid-august <laughs> why don't you go start moving the posts again we love our guy here's the contract <laughs> yeah that's that the right thing to do <laughs> that is true I know I know <laughs> yeah but yeah then you have to ask the question ask from the outside sound are there people within Port Adelaide who who genuinely love him yeah that's right so do you love him or not yeah it's time to Put the roses on the table. I think if it's a
0: two-year contract and it's full of the conditions that we mentioned, I think it's going to be pretty hard for Ken to stay there if Gold Coast come with, as I say, something like a five, all that security. He's worked there before. I think Kenny would be magnificent with those kids up on the Gold Coast. You don't have to build anything. It's laid out. You've got more academy
2: kids coming in. All right. So, And what happened? The last three coaches that have lost their jobs in the AFL have had their dignity shredded on the way out the door. Now, that's not to say whether the decisions were right or wrong, but Ben Rutten, Brett Ratten, and Stuart Dew were treated appallingly. Leon Cameron is the last man to leave a job. I'm going to ask, Leon, did you leave your job with your dignity intact? It's a good
3: question, Jared. Uh, look, it, mine was a different. I mean, I got to a stage where I'd been there for 10 years at the club and coaching for just under nine. And we were two and six. And, look, we're in the win-loss business and – and we made a decision as a footy club at the start of the year to get towards the end of the year because the next coach would have a three-year deal. Now, whether that was going to be me or someone else. And so my time, had, you know, as a, as, a, as a little bit burnt out at the time, but equally the club, there was no doubt that the club were looking, okay, is this the coach to go forward? We've been there for eight and a half to nine years. Uh, is this an opportunity to refresh at the, at the right time? And so it just the timing of all that, Whether I liked it or not, it just happened around about the mid-year and we were 2-6 and and things weren't going really well. You know, we had a number of injuries, we lost a number of games and we lost in a really bad way down in Canberra against Geelong after beating Adelaide by 10 goals the week before. So when you lose in a bad way at home, it doesn't help on top of the scrutiny that you're already going through of, okay, are you going to be the coach for, you know, the club for the next two or three years? So... In the end, I got to a stage and I said, well, it's probably the right time for both coach and um, club to make a decision. And we, I had that chat with the CEO, Dave Matthews, during the week that I finished up, and I said it's probably the right time. Um, as much as what I was holding on and thinking that I would love to continue on to coach, sometimes you've probably just got to put that behind you and go, it's, it is. it is the right time. They probably need a new voice and a fresh voice and, and that's the decision that uh, um, we
2: made. In the environment, Leon, what, what happens to um, the levels of trust, uh, suspicions around conversations that might be transpiring? And when the outside infiltrates, like there was a report a couple of weeks out from you that – and Caroline Wilson did it on Footy Classified in your scenario as well, saying that the position was untenable. What what happens to the tight relationships in the last few weeks? Yeah, look,
3: it's – that's – and the media need to play their role. They play their role and they report on what they hear. And so when you hear those things and, – and you normally front up and you go, okay um, – oh, yes, I don't listen to some of the media stuff, but you do hear. You don't hear it all, but you do hear some of it. And, you know, we're shielded away in Sydney at times. But I heard that and I thought, okay, is that is that real? Is there murmurings? Are the board unhappy? Are we going in the right place? Um, where's it coming from? It's hard not to. I'll be totally honest, Jared. If you're walking in the front door of your footy club and you're going, um, is the football manager, is the CEO, is uh, the president, are they happy with... Where you're heading as a coach, if you're hearing these murmurings from significant people in the in the media, it's hard not to think that. Um, you go and talk about it, and you ask about it, and and knowing that your contract is going is put to the end of the year, with with with, with both club and coach, we decided on that. Um, Everything angles in on lots of suspicious stuff going on. Um it's hard not to. I would be sitting here lying to say, oh look, no, nah, that didn't happen, Jared, this wouldn't happen. No, I didn't feel that way. Absolutely, you go through that. But then you weigh up and take time out and say, well, is that the right decision? Is the time right for me to finish up? Am I a little bit stale? Is the club a bit stale? Do they need a new leader? And, and I vividly remember sitting there looking out the window through the gym onto the ground after Geelong beat us by um, seven goals in Canberra. And I'm thinking, all this going on in my head, it's probably the right time. And the club probably thought the right time as well. They probably were happy for me to instigate the decision, but equally they were going, well, now we can move on and find our next coach. Now, we know in AFL footy it very rarely ends this way a lot. In fact, it's normally the opposite. And, you know, I was disappointed, um, but equally, probably a realist as well.
2: Are clubs bad at this, Leon? So it feels like had you not been proactive, it wouldn't have taken much to tip you into the territory of where Dew and Rutten in particular ended up.
3: Um, Are they bad at it? Well, I suppose you only have to look at history. And some of the – you just pointed out the last three – Jared, which has been tough. Um, The hardest thing that swirls around in AFL football, and Sam, you've just touched on it about Damien Hardwick. I mean, let's be totally honest here. Um, It feels like the the Gold Coast Suns are going to go 100 miles an hour for Damien Hardwick. He's won three premierships in an era that Richmond were absolutely fantastic. He revolutionised the game with the way they played. He's uh, media savvy. He's coach savvy. He's still... Uh, in a great position to coach footy, he's having a break, and so every indicator adds up. And so when you have that hovering over a young coach like Stuart Dew, or you know we t- we we you know uh, Brett Ratten, we've seen uh, Brett Ratten you know with 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 Brad Scott there sitting there as well. That's the hardest thing as a young coach to have. And do, do you go and instigate that? Does a young coach walk in and have three or four years under his belt? They mightn't have got the su- the success that they've had so far. Their trajectory is sort of stagnant a little bit. There's lots of murmuring about them, should they be the coach? Should the coach walk into the football manager and the CEO and the president and say, hey, listen, where am I really at? What are these murmurings? Let's get on top of this. Now, that is that is very easy to say here on radio, but it's the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. because you actually want to prove to everyone. Like, I, even after we got beaten by Geelong, I'm, I'm, I'm coming home on the Sunday, no, no, Carlton, no, I want to prove that I, I can still do this job, but then as quickly as you think that, you go, geez, why did we get beaten bodged along that way? Why are our players not probably playing at the best of ability? Haven't I got the best out of this player or that player? And so you go in and out of positive, negative, positive, negative. Um, we were probably lucky enough, at the Giants, to have a a mutual conversation, myself and Dave at the time. Was it hard? It was bloody hard. It was really hard because mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to give up coaching at that particular time, but I also knew that it was probably time for change. So that is the hardest decision to make.
1: Leon, can I ask you, is it a, a fact, that is it the way, are you a better coach now post your last game than your first year? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Does absolutely. that apply for everyone? Every every coach? Um, or does some of them somehow, some way disintegrate in some area? Oh, look,
3: this. You need an enormous amount of luck, Dermy, to then... Sh- you can talk about it, but then you how do you show it? Like, we don't all get the opportunity to go, OK, I coached in 14, this is my very first game, and now I finished in 23, 22. Uh, between that, I've got better at A, B, C and D. Um, I think I've improved in this and that. I'm definitely a better coach than the first day I started. Um, but then when you finish up, where do you get unless you get another opportunity how do you get to show that so I, I absolutely agree that um, a lot of coaches will be better off from their first stint absolutely it's just the hard stigma about it is it's like if you've failed or you haven't played finals or a grand final it's like oh you'll never coach again that's not going to happen you know that's why we're wrapped to see Michael Voss you know it didn't work out in the first era at Brisbane but he's gone away for six or seven years at Adelaide, and now he's coaching Carlton, and even to an extent this year, where so many people are questioning him, I'm wrapped that he's starting to come back out the other side um, because it just shows well, Michael Voss might turn out to be a fantastic coach for Carlton, but he's just done it in a really bumpy way. Does
0: like, the, I was just going to ask you, Jared, does the debate with goal coming back to Gold Coast specifically not centre on the you know, backing him, we back him, we back him until we don't back him? At, and, and being duplicitous because, I mean, th- this happened in a six-day window. Now, I know you've got to back your guy. You have to do that. And maybe Mark Evans overreached in his in his now infamous press conference a, a week out. I mean, you got to back your guy until you don't. But then at the same time, you can't be seen to be having him sing for his supper when – Let's be honest, you've almost made the decision already. You've only played one game after that.
1: Yeah.
2: So I, th- I reckon there are a couple of markers, and, and it's not precise because you can't publicly undermine your coach Correct. in the position because yep. we all sniff that mm. and understand what that sounds like. It's a fine line. So I settled on that. The one thing you can't do is you can't have your guy fighting for his job publicly when he's lost it. So you have to be upfront enough to go... To, to sack him when the moment comes. And you have to assume, do you not, that, that he was
0: fighting for a job that was already lost? Now, Bob yeah. East was overseas. The chairman comes back. They have their extraordinary board meeting. A decision's ratified. So, as I say, there was only one game, six days in between. Stuart Jew is our coach, he's our co- contract until the end of the year, and thanks, but
2: no so thanks. So, that can't be it. Like, that's the bad cliche. The full support of the board. That's another victim. The, and that so, that's awful. And I feel like. That the industry and those who sit on boards and run football clubs have to get past that. You can't. You can't be doing that. Six days out, you can't be not only guaranteeing the coach the job for this year and next year, but offering hope in the future. There's no
1: doubt ratification. It, it has to happen within hours after the board ratifies the decision to terminate. Yeah, and this probably dates back
2: to late April, early May. Not not the last two weeks. And I think I actually think Bob East made that pretty clear when he spoke about his first 90 days in the job. Tony Cochran believed in Stuart Jew and wanted it to work. Bob East didn't. And they were making their manoeuvres to find an exit strategy. Had they lost those games in Darwin at four and eight, he would have been out then. It lingered on and they all get so badly hurt by it. Mm. The news of the week for Repco Authorised Service. Penwright Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. This is Crunch Time.